Welcome to the Social Impactors Podcast. This podcast is all about impact. We work to highlight impactful individuals making positive social change in their communities. From coaches, authors, entrepreneurs, influencers, we tap into the minds of some of the most impactful people around the world to find out how they have built a life of creating impact. Now listen in and be ready to go on a journey of enlightenment, motivation, and awe. Social impact everywhere. Hey, hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Social Impactors Podcast, a podcast where we highlight people making positive social change in their communities. And today we have Lily. Uh, Lily uh, and I have connected on LinkedIn, and uh, I love what you're doing, Lily. And uh, like the introduction that I always do, I'd love for you just to start off with who you are, what you do, and why you believe you're a social impactor. I am a person who believes passionately in people. And what I do is empower people and allow them to realize their potential in the world. And I do that in a number of different ways in my life. Looking back on my life now, I realize that it's something I've always done from the time that I was a child, because there's nothing that really thrills me more than seeing somebody else come into who they really are and start to engage with the world in a way that is authentic and truly makes a contribution. So various ways that I do that now, I am on the board of a nonprofit here in the Charlottesville area that focuses on STEM education for underprivileged children. And I help them with organizational development and to position themselves to have maximum impact. Uh, In that way, I feel that I'm also creating an opportunity for children in our area to imagine the careers of the future rather than just making themselves ready for the jobs that exist now. That's an area of important focus and concern for me. I just don't think that we are, that it's, that it's honest any longer to say that we're preparing children for the jobs of the future because if we're all frank with ourselves, the truth is we don't know what those jobs are and what we need to be preparing children for is to invent the jobs of the future and to carry us into the future. So I'm a passionate advocate for STEM education. I'm a passionate advocate for entrepreneurial education for younger children. And to really uh, talk to kids at a young age about what I call the secrets of the universe, (laughs) the things that all successful people do in the world, rather than leading them to believe that if they amass a certain body of knowledge and they're good and they demonstrate achievement, and that means they're going to lead happy and fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. So professionally, I would call myself um, an organizational development specialist. Mm-hmm. For years, I've uh, woven in and out of the human resources and employment law professions. I maintain a consulting practice, the WorkExpert.io, uh, where I provide those kinds of services to a range of organizations, and I also engage in uh, leadership and individual coaching. And I also work for um, organizations in that capacity. So currently I'm chief legal and people officer for an online digital education platform that I helped to found called Teams for Learning. And I also provide those services to uh, Education First, which is a well-known education consulting firm working to bring reform to K-12. So 
you can see how, although there are disparate pieces of my life, they all sort of weave together and center around the theme of maximizing human potential. And at this point in my life, my concentration really is on helping organizations to achieve maximum effectiveness, by which I mean bringing out the best in all of their team members and helping people to come to work with an open heart and ready to contribute in an authentic way. And also uh, laying the groundwork for uh, our children to have an impactful education that's going to allow them to uh, move us into the future. It was funny. One of the things you said about um, uh, we can only prepare people for or prepare our children for jobs that don't exist. There was a stat that was in, I think it's Canadian stat, but something like 60% of the jobs that uh, we're preparing our kids for don't exist yet. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we're, we're such an adaptable uh, society, but we're also changing at a rapid rate. Uh, we're, we're beyond just change. We're actually changing change. <laughs> like it's gone exactly. to another level. And uh, there was these, uh, there was a TEDx talk that was done on these 10 characteristics or traits we should be teaching our kids. And a lot of them are human-based traits, right? Like empathy thinking, um, human-based yes. design, uh, communication skill, like these, these skills that we've kind of put on the, the back burner because they're, they're human anyway so we think oh we just have them right but those will never go away right even if jobs change those skills are replicable in any sector um and i, I just think it's so interesting and i love that you're working in the k-12 sector i do a lot of work with uh, ashoka uh, and ashoka is an international body the canadian branch and we're looking at uh uh, post-secondary but they do a lot of work on empathy-based thinking in uh, the k-12 uh, and we have to do that that's that's amazing thank you thank you yeah it's so interesting i think what so I was, I was thinking about blockchain, for example, yeah. and how you know, blockchain started out as this thing that we use to create uh, and maintain cryptocurrency. And I just heard that blog, there, there are people studying how to use blockchain to, um, to arrest and reverse the impact mm -hmm. of climate change. Yep. And so that is a perfect example of the kind of thinking we need to invite for our children. It's, mm -hmm. it's about it's about creativity, yes. It's always been about creativity, but it's also about integration. Mm -hmm. It's also about, it's coming into the world with a sense of curiosity and, and joyfully studying what there is to know and then finding ways to remaster and remix what we know to achieve better outcomes. Well, and look at the guy who founded, I know it was Ethereum-based, but really founded a lot more on the blockchain. It was a 23 or 24-year-old kid. Like yeah. these are the people who are inventing these, these, you know, beautiful designs. And, you know, I'm an avid fan of blockchain. I think it's the, you know, the most transparent piece we've, we've ever created. Uh, even the Canadian government is looking at using blockchain to, uh, to secure um, passports. So when you go to, uh, through a passport check, what you do is you secure it on the blockchain. So it's a one second click and you find out, right? There's, it's completely immutable, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's wonderful. It's amazing. So let's jump into the second question then. And it's, how are you making a positive impact in your community? In my immediate community, I aim to be of service. So I, I'm connected with the local STEM education organization I told you about. I'm also on the board of the Charlottesville Business Innovation Council. Mm. And my goal really is to, to show up and to allow people to know who I am and to be available to serve in a way that reflects who I am and brings out my authentic gifts in the world. So what I want for other people is what I want for me. Mm. And it's actually, you know, I've found that it's far, it's far easier for me to show up in the world as a coach and advocate and to help others 
than it is for me to actually uh, demonstrate the same grace to myself and create space in my own life for that to occur. Yeah. So I, I, like many people, fall victim to the idea that I'm only as valuable as the amount of output that I can have and the amount of productivity that can be measured, yeah. rather than embracing the idea that to be successful is to be genuine and is to be engaged in a way that is actually edifying rather than depleting. So that's really what I strive to do. I don't, um, I don't have the arrogance to believe that I know exactly what it is that people need from me, but I, I think I have the wisdom to, um, to know that I should show up and that I should engage openly and, and I should um, be available to make a difference. So I've ended up doing, I've ended up doing a lot of different things on a volunteer basis in my local community simply because I was, I was willing to engage. I, I helped, um, I helped to organize the Innovator Showcase at the CBIC Annual Gala last uh, May. And through, because I was willing to do that, got to meet a lot of wonderful, interesting, emerging entrepreneurs in our community, um, you know, and which was just uh, a positive experience for me and affirming of who I am in the world. Again, not necessarily connected to some particular output, right? I, I can't, I don't know that I made money from that, but that isn't really what matters. It's it's really about the um, the social and emotional capital and living your life in a way that invites contribution and joy. Hmm. I like that. Do you, do you find that when you uh, flip the script, maybe uh, I'm, you know, I'm young and I'm in a little bit of that output, 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 when you flip that script to really looking internally, uh, did you find you were more productive? Yes. Yeah. In fact, yes, I just, and I just had a friend of mine who I've known since high school text me and he's, he's this, interesting masterful creature who just he's always been that way he's always just you know he's slept four hours a night or ten hours a night or whatever it is and he's he hasn't really worried about it he's always engaged with the world in this really um just forward thinking way and currently he's decided he's going to reinvent himself as a space business person so he's enrolled himself in space school and then and and just wrote to me to say he just published his first science fiction story and i said when wh what you know i had no, first of all i had no idea you were doing that and secondly yeah. where did you find the time and he said we can do much more than we think in a lot less time than we think and i and so that you know that really i believe that but it was a, as a good reminder because i think i think what happens avery is we go into situations with a preconceived notion of how long it's going to take and how hard it's going to be mm -hmm. and we we don't allow ourselves to believe that if something is quick and easy that it still has value if you are if you are actually in your space of mastery and you are being genuine and authentic then things do flow and it isn't hard and even if you do end up having to invest more time than you thought it feels good and it doesn't it doesn't feel like a burden so i think that's that that is part of what i've discovered i, I but i'm not here to say that now you know magically i'm i'm living what is it the the four hour work week yeah. that's you know, <laughs> 
But I, what I do is I, I tell myself that if I finish something quickly, then, then, Hey, you know, I must've really been operating in my sweet spot there and, and really integrating all of my experience and all of my skills and gifts. And it's wonderful that it, that it flowed so easily and took so little time. That's what I've been trying to, that's a mindset I always try to, to, to put forward is when something is finished in two hours instead of let's say a normal eight hour workday, well, that's good, right? You yeah, have to, that's that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a little bit of a mindset shift from you know traditional societal um, frameworks, but um, it's, it's better. It's, <laughs> it's a big mindset shift because we, it's, it's really, um, it's a move from the in industrial era thinking where everybody's work could be broken down into component parts and everything could be measured with KPIs mm -hmm. to you know what somebody uh, I heard recently call the purpose economy. Oh. So, so it's, re it's really a shift on the value that people can contribute, which is not easy to measure. It's a lot more subjective and it makes us uncomfortable. I haven't heard of the purpose economy, but the gig economy, and it's kind of, it's the same idea, right? You, you, you work in purposeful fields, but it's, it's based on a gig rather than a, it's a contract job, right? But the, the nice thing about that is you have the ability to do multiple things in the spaces you like. It's, it's kind of cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is cool. It's something that I've written and spoken about because we're, we're in this liminal state between the traditional industrial era, probably post-industrial, right? The information economy and the gig economy where 40% of our workers are already working in the gig economy. And, and we have, we're in crisis because we don't have appropriate, at least in our country, in the United States, we mm -hmm. don't have appropriate healthcare and benefits for those workers. And, um, and we don't have a system that holds employers accountable for the way that they treat those contract workers. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, so, so, so people struggle to to find um, the benefits of a co-located traditional work environment in the gig economy. They struggle with alienation and isolation. They struggle with not having a professional community, with not being able to advance. So, there, I believe that there. Um, there are many ways in which this will be uh, solved because we will start holding ourselves accountable to the way that people get treated. Mm. But that's but those those are some of the the struggles that I perceive <laughs> in this interesting transition that we're undergoing. Yeah. But we will get we will get there. I I, I actually can imagine a future where um, everybody participates in the gig economy and it's in fact a very rare thing to be a full-time employee mm -hmm. of any employer because the truth is that if we are all living out our purpose then we are in the business of me everybody is in the business of me mm -hmm. we're all in the business of, of really deeply understanding and capitalizing on who we are and and ensuring that we bring that into the world because that's what really adds value and that's you know i'm i'm speaking in i know very utopian terms but it's what um it's what i truly believe no i, I couldn't agree more and, and that's a really good segue to the next question because it's actually about business so i like this so we can talk about this but do you believe social impact is an important part of business it's essential hmm. if you Why? don't if you don't have a compelling vision for how what your what, what your business is doing to make the world a better place mm. then you cannot be you can maintain but you cannot achieve outsized memorable success 
in, in the way that many business people, I think, want to achieve. Um, you can you can run you know you can run a popcorn stand, and 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 do it with a sense of purpose because your your goal really is to bring this wonderful new experience to people, to bring nourishment to your local community in a way that wasn't there before, and to surprise and delight people who thought they had tasted the very best popcorn in the world until they tasted yours. Whatever it might be, you it's 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 critical for businesses to frame. Um, what they ultimately do in terms of a of a social purpose mm. that um, that is true mm. um, and that actually uh, resonates and connects with people. It, it was funny. There was a, a stat. I was at an event last night, and one of the stats was on Fortune 500 companies, and it was saying that since 2000, I believe it was 40% of Fortune 500 companies uh, uh, don't exist anymore. Of those Fortune 500 companies, and and the rationale was that there's an ad adaption that needs to happen, and 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 big business has troubles doing that, but it's because we're rapidly changing, right? So right. you're absolutely right that if you have a sole purpose, purpose and culture always go above. They always follow change, right? Because you can adapt culture, you can adapt purpose, but as long as you keep a, a framework of your mission, you go like this, right? But when you're right. big business, it's it's you all you can take very long routes to the wrong way, <laughs> and it's bad. That's yeah. That's really interesting. That's absolutely true. And uh, and I think what's I think what's underneath that may it, I mean, I'm I'm willing to concede that there could be big businesses that are very sincere in their desire to engage with the world in a purpose filled way. But um, but the problem is that it is it's very complex and difficult for those same businesses to engage with their team members yeah. in a purpose filled way. And I'm a big believer in the idea that to be successful as an organization is to actually draw upon the collective wisdom of the people who are involved in that organization. There are just things that you can't, you cannot know as a leadership team, you cannot know as a CEO, no. but they are there, they are in the room, they're floating in the air that you breathe. And if you have the humility to slow things down a little bit, and to, to sincerely listen to and to connect with the people who work for you, mm. then you will hear those messages and, and you will learn things that'll turn your hair white and you will, and you, but you will also hear, hear the messages that you need to hear to remain successful and viable into the future. So I think that's part of the disconnect. I see, and I've worked with organizations of many different sizes, and I see that the organizations that are smaller and I mean, you know, under a hundred employees have a much easier time doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and it isn't just employee surveys, but, but they're they're really able to operate in a way that um, that engages and respects the individual perspectives and contributions of people. Mm -hmm. Once you get beyond a certain size, it's hard. It's it's just yeah, it just becomes unmanageable. I can conceive of many different ways that larger businesses could organize to still allow that to happen, but something gets lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't mean to target big business, but just it's the idea that there's you know the dinosaur effect that there's there's a, a need to adapt and change. But for so long during you know uh, uh, during our economy, it's been stable. It's been stable in the sense that nothing has really changed. But now it's rapidly changing, and so we still have the same ideals, we still have the same practices, the legacy projects, the 1990s technology, like that still exists. And it's much harder for big business to, to adapt yeah. and change there. But uh, it's just so interesting how how culture and that will always stay, right? Even if we adapt and change so much, there's always those human elements. Yeah. yeah. 
So the last question then is uh, about community. And it's, what is your advice for others to begin making a positive social impact in their communities? I think I would go back to what I said about how I engage with my local community. Uh, I, I didn't have much of an opportunity to do that before the probably the last year and a half. Um, I was working incredibly long hours in a very big corporate job and traveling quite a bit. And so it was difficult for me to show up for my community in any kind of consistent way. When I made the decision to transition from that job and I suddenly had the, the freedom to shape my own schedule mm -hmm. and I was able to start connecting with people locally, I really found that it was about showing up without expectations and allowing other people to know you and to see who you are and i guess also to follow your bliss to say well this really interests me and i'm just going to be curious and learn more about it without any kind of preconceived notion about how it's going to benefit me or where it's going to take me i think that's one of the the biggest mistakes that human beings make is um is jumping ahead to the what's in it for me in everything that they do rather than just saying like a child would well this is really neat <laughs> this is fun i like it i want more of this i like these people i'm going to show up um and and be with them and play and you know kids don't say to themselves well um if i engage in this game of hide and seek then how is this going to advance my social media image? You know, like they don't, they, they don't, they don't manipulate, you know, they just, they just sort of say, this is what I want to do. And they do it in the moment and things just have a way of working out. So that would be my advice is to really, first of all, show up, I mean, make time for it, be yourself and pay attention to what it is that you like and, and follow those breadcrumbs because they're going to lead you to delightful and unexpected places and and maybe there'll there will be a you know some cul-de-sacs and dead ends and that doesn't really matter because it's it's about the experience it's about the the journey mm -hmm. and not what what you can squeeze out of it or how you can manipulate events to get you to a particular professional position that you believe that you deserve um, I think that's I think that's that's a thank you for that question. I think that's a lot of what I've I've derived from my experiences, at, at least in the past year and a half, is this um, this really deep appreciation for those truths that uh, you know if you if you show up to life with um, with a grateful and open heart, willing to be of service and willing to just be curious and engage, then um, yeah, that's when the miracles start to happen. It's funny, a lot of times, um, you know, I'll show up to things and it's really just osmosis. Like you don't even have to show up to, to engage. Sometimes you can just show up and if you're tired, you just sit there, but there is that osmosis that happens, right? You pick up ideas, you pick up energy, you think, oh, I have a comment on that or I don't. But it's it's when you engage, there's that, that beautiful feeling of connectedness to a community, but also just being a part of something. And that's what I love. So I, I'm, no, I'm happy that you found that, that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, well, Lee, I just want to thank you so much for being on uh, on the podcast and uh, um, 
you made me think about just the the correlation between how children think and how how when you become an adult and I'm in that phase right now of becoming a little bit older uh, we lose in touch with that right it, there's that selflessness that that we need to uh, be in, back in touch with so I want to thank you personally for that one because that has me thinking right now I'm gonna have to reflect on that one <laughs> you're you're welcome thank you for the invitation it was really nice to get to know you